On this week's show, flying high at the top of the league, Tunbridge Wells boss Richard Stiles is delighted with their start. Anyone making any predictions of how you can start with the league in the first three games would be mentioned those three things. So yeah, of course I'm very, very happy. Matt Longhurst is raring to go as Ramsgate get ready for a big season. A lot of the players that I've signed have played for me previously, but I've never been able to keep them all together because they've been offered money to go or go and play higher at bigger clubs. An agent tells us how he's got into the game of looking out for non-league players. Of course, um, and then you have to register the FA to, you know, to make sure you're, you're up to the job, really. And Matt makes a massive balls up. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kednoni podcast. We are still on the lookout for a new sponsor. So if you'd like us to say your company's name at this point of every week's show, then feel free to get in touch with us on social media and we can talk terms. My co-host, for example, likes sweets. Another busy week across the county and of course another packed show for you with interviews, news and loads more besides. I'm John Phipps. I'm this week was the subject of some mistaken identity on Twitter. And on the line now is a man who I noticed yesterday has a new picture pop up when you go to send him an email. I've never noticed that before, Matt Gerald. Is that a new thing you've added to your Google account? Well, I've now got a YouTube channel. Mm, blimey. Only because I had to put some um, of my football commentaries on there. So it, it, I don't think he's had any views, but if you search <laughs> Matthew Gerard on there, you can listen to some of my goal commentaries going back to 2010. Oh, was Charles so, there? Did Charles fall over? It, 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 that is the first one I've updated. Brilliant. So if you do, if you are feeling bored and you would like to subscribe, Apparently, you can make money out of YouTube. As I've got two subscribers, one's myself and my other one's my daughter, to test it, it would be handy. So there is, they are um, always looking for, you know, there's a lot of things that people wanted to use my commentaries, that um, um, sort of thing, that they said, I'll oh, recommend you get your YouTube channel. So that's what I had to do, because YouTube is um, owned by Google. We seem to own a lot of things. Um, and so basically to have to have that as a picture, I probably need to change my picture on that. But uh, yes, that's the reason why. Oh, excellent. That's, uh, I'm glad you were able to to fill that in for me. Because I, I, I literally went to send you uh, the interview with Matt, with, I nearly gave it away there. I went to send you the interview that I did uh, yesterday. And I was like, there's Matt Gerrard's face. What a nice surprise that is to see him. That was about a year old. So I need to get, I need to, when I get my hair cut, um, get a new picture. So keep an eye on it. Maybe I'll change it every week. Maybe next week I'll be wearing a, a Max- Mexican sombrero to keep you excited. Do you know when you said maybe next week I'm going to be wearing? I was going to say sombrero, so we're obviously yeah, on the same wavelength. Same wavelength. Very good, mate. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I need that cut actually. I, I had one just after uh, you lockdown. What you did? Uh, not really i've had a shave a couple of times but um i had a, a haircut just after lockdown about two or three days and, and seeing as we're probably heading back there i better go and get another one because i'll look like a caveman by the end of, uh, of a second lockdown if i if i don't get my haircut before then uh, well, talking to you of course how do, i suppose you won't know until the things at four o'clock today as in your business with six people does that affect breakfast i presume it probably does we're restricting it to six people in the dining room at any one time oh, anyway, right. so that's not going to be too much of an issue for us at the moment. But it's just, I, I mean, the, the, the six people thing shouldn't make a difference to us in any way, shape or form. So, But it's just if it makes a difference to how many people can be in pubs and restaurants and stuff, then people may not want to come down here. But we shall see. I, as I said to someone earlier on, I, I get the feeling that the government perhaps don't know what they're doing. But well, I, I, who am I to say? Well, well, the um, as I said on the radio this morning, because with Brexit back on the radar, and apparently they they've basically re-engaged on that on another U-turn. One of these things is to push this through because people will be talking about that 
rather than breaking the law regarding Brexit that they're doing now. That's an outrageous yeah, exactly, yeah, slur, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, crikey. Yeah. Imagine thinking that might be the case. Well, I never. Anyway, it's our 136th episode this week, and apparently 136 kilohertz band is the lowest frequency band amateur radio operators are allowed to transmit. So our podcast forefathers may well have been using that long before we knew what Teams, SoundCloud and even podcasts were. I suppose it makes sense to ask Matt Joe something I don't think I've ever asked him before. How did you get into radio in the first place and commentary? Did you used to sit with a little CB radio and tell people all about um, Dover Athletic? My mates um, used to have a CB radio when they were younger because they tried to track, attract young ladies. But that's a different story. <laughs> Please don't. They <laughs> know because they were 18. This is a, right, he was okay. well into that. So one. Um, how did I get in? So basically on the radio, I was doing stuff for the Dover Express as the reporter. And then I met Matt Davidson, the legendary Matt Davidson at the Gulf in 2003. Must have been Ben. Oh, the Open. Yeah. Yep. And I said, oh, hello. I've never met him before. Introduced myself. Well, you're always looking for people um, to do it. And one Saturday morning, I was at my, because that's when I was, we were doing up our house, maybe. Or, no, basically, I was living it with my mother-in-law's at that stage, basically, because I had a hotel like yours. And they got a phone call, I think, and, uh, and they said, "Oh, somebody's dropped out. Would you like to do Dover commentary? To go and do the game for Dover?" So of course, oh yes. And that was against Moor Green, and it would have been October, September, two thousand and three. So I'm coming up to my seventeenth year, and they beat them two 0 James Rogers made his debut, and wow. James Rogers scored from a corner. And of course, this is you know Dover in poor level at that level um and he and again it was a bit of a story and then that from from there and i've done other games and that's how i got into radio basically from doing the newspaper sort of thing so and then you then i met you and then now we do this podcast and now the world is our oyster well exactly that's true and of course more green have people who don't know are now solihull moors aren't they oh yes yes that's that's true so that, that david one yes yeah, so i did the game those are the days you used to do it i had to buy a phone plug it into the phone socket at oh Travel. wow yeah, uh, and then uh, do it from that. Oh, well, before that, I'd probably say I used to do club call for Margate. Oh, brilliant! Remember club call. So yes. Andrew Gidley, he did that. So basically, another legend. Went, yeah, another legend. And um, that was when Margate were playing at Dover. And so basically, a goal went in, and then you'd have to ring whatever the code was, and say, "Oh, it's a goal here." That goodness knows how many people um, were listening. So I did that, and that's probably from there. And then after the game, you'd um, interview the manager, which is probably Chris Kinnear at that stage. So you, I have my phone. It's like the old fashioned phone. So, hello, Chris, how are you? I had to pass in the phone. So you had to do it, things like that. So, yeah, so that's that's how it's got into it. And here we are 17 years later. So, yeah. So, oh, yeah. But, um, well, that's, that's, and, and I met you and again, this this award winning podcast, not nominated, gone, award nominated. nominated so, yeah, it's gone from there. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, if people There's don't know, there, John. yeah, I, I was just going to say very quickly, if people don't know, I mean, I, I've been a, I was a sports journalist for many, many, many years, and um, <clears throat> I, I was always in newspapers because when I was at university, which is about the same sort of time as Matt was starting out in radio, radio was all about. I had the chance to do a bit of radio stuff, but it was all about having mini disc players and things like that, and it was so complicated. And with in hindsight, if I'd known. It, 15 years down the line you'd be able to just record stuff on your mobile phone and send it off I think I would have had a different attitude towards radio but then uh, from there I, I had a, I've had a good career as a sports journalist I went to the Beijing Olympics in 2008 uh, and then I was a sports editor of, of a load of papers in Kent I really really got into the the non-league game while I was doing that 
particularly down at Margate and Ramsgate. One fateful Saturday at Hartsdown Park, I met Matt Gerrard for the first time. And uh, we got on. We, uh, and then he started getting me to do some bits and pieces for him. Uh, then I left my job. And, uh, and the first Saturday of the season after I left that job, Matt was let down by a, a former professional footballer to be a co-commentator for him at, uh, at Maidstone United against York City. And my phone rang on the Friday lunchtime. Would you fancy coming doing the game tomorrow? And that was my first proper go on uh, on BBC Radio Kent, uh, being a summariser uh, to Matt Gerrard at the Gallagher Stadium. And now from there, after seeing the lack of coverage, that's why this podcast exists. So there you go. That's why the Kent Only podcast is a thing. Uh, probably a good time to tell people 136 episodes in, yeah? <laughs> we've probably told it before, but they may, we, we, of course, we've gone from 300 listeners to 300 listeners in <laughs> so yeah so, but maybe people would like to know the, the backstory of us so there you go exactly uh, on with the show then of course we have to start with Saturday's FA Vars semi-final which ended in penalty heartbreak for Corinthian it was 1-1 after 90 minutes and 2-2 after extra time at Gay Dawn Farm but it was the visitors who prevailed on spot kicks and Alalis Morissette may have been keen to hear about it as there was more than a touch of irony with both of Corinthian's goals being penalties more ironic than meeting someone you fancy who's married to someone attractive anyway uh, I make no apologies for being absolutely gutted about Corinthian going out of the final hurdle we want all of our teams to do well of course but I got on really really well with Michael Golden and although we said before the game it wasn't about him I really really felt for him on Saturday they put so much effort in uh, to, to sorting that out and to come so close the worst possible way to lose but even despite the result he and Corinthians should be so so proud of what they've achieved not just in the FA Vars run but also the past two and a half years Matt yeah I, I was thinking well I saw they were losing 2-1 it was 2-0 when I got to, didn't know the score I say who who lifts Michael from all this because, of course, they missed out on their league when it finished 18 months ago, whatever it was, um, on the final well, day. Well, last year they lost out. Yeah, they lost out on the final day, the day they? Last season they could have got and won it, then COVID comes along. And now, you know, they've missed out from there. So he must, you know, all the hard work he does in. Who lifts him? I know they got result last night in the scaffold, which I was delighted about as well, because it shows that it must be absolutely heartbreaking for him from getting so close. 89th minute, was it 89th minute penalty for the visitors as well? It was late, it was a, it? Yeah, it was a late goal. Oh, yeah, very yeah. late. And they were down to 10 men as well, Heaven. Yeah. So um, you've got to feel for them a little bit. Um, I really, um, you really do. But they'll go again and uh, they'll be one of the sides that will be up at the top of the table. I just feel for them. And I think he said in an interview that he shed a few tears. And I'm not surprised that, you know, all the blood, sweat and tears that went into it and lose like that. Fair play to the FA Vars. At least they bothered to have the extra time, which I think is a, is a really good thing. If it had gone straight to penalties, I'd have been really disappointed. So, um, yeah, they'll go again. Um, yeah, just, to, you know, they, I think it was probably important they won last night, to be honest. Yeah, Michael obviously has got a young family, so I guess that that helps him out. Yeah. And uh, he did say to me, "There's more important things than football." But you know, exactly. We well, did say to me on Sunday. He did say to me on Sunday he was all right. He said a few of his boys were, were the, the boys were struggling a little bit, but he said it was a tough day. But it is what it is, and you know the team can look back and be proud. And he did also add they they no one expected them to win that game. Heaven were expecting to win that game, but they certainly did have a good game uh, on Saturday. And and yeah, there is more important things, but you know, of course there are. You know, to, to manage a side at Wembley, he might hopefully he'll have another opportunity. But a penalty kick away, you're always going to think what ifs, I suppose, aren't you? 
Absolutely. Uh, Corinthian did bounce back on Tuesday, as Matt just said, with a 2-1 win over Lordswood to get their league campaign off and running. And that brings us very tidily to our first interview. A former Lordswood manager whose side also began their league campaign against the Wood. But for Richard Styles and Tom Ridgewells, it was altogether more comfortable. A 5-0 win to start the season. They then followed it up with a 4-0 win over Beerstead on Tuesday. So it's three wins, three clean sheets for Wells in all competitions so far this season. If that doesn't get your phone ringing on a Wednesday lunchtime, what will? So here is the Tunbridge Wells manager on their great start. Uh, three games, three clean sheets, three wins. You, you've got to be delighted with your start to the season. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, any, any, um, anyone making any predictions of how you could start the, start the game, start the league, sorry, with the first three games would be mentioning those three things. So, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm very, very happy. Uh, obviously, the, we'll come on to the FA Cup shortly, but the, your league game so far, your former club, Lordswood, first up and you beat them 5-0 and then you, you followed it up as well by beating Beersted last night. So, it, it's showing that you've got something about yourselves. Yeah, I mean, we've worked, we've worked hard in pre-season, um, you know, in, in terms of how we want to play and what we want to do. Um, and, as I say, pre-season has gone really, really well in terms of the timing, in terms of when things started coming into place. Um and yeah, like I say, we got into the games and it's so far so good. Um, the Lords game, you know, was very, very comfortable um, and we, we fully deserved that with how dominant we were throughout the game. Um, it could have been more. Um, you know, the scary thing is it could have been more and on another day it would have been. Um, yesterday was a different one really because, you know, Beersted are a tough side and they're always, you know, we're going to get when you play against a Beersted team. Um, you know, they're hard working and, you know, they're quick in areas and they try and get you. Um, but yeah, like, like I say, we managed to get two nights at half time. Um, we then sort of weathered the storm a little bit in the first, um, bit, first 15 minutes of the second half. And then, yeah, we sort of went warm down a little bit, it felt like, um, for us to then complete, complete the scoring at the end of the game. Um, but, you know, on the flip side of that, not conceding goals also helps as well. And, you know, to keep a clean sheet the way we did, especially against Beersted, is very, very pleasing because Beersted score goals. You know, they are a team that score goals. And, you know, they did last year, they'll do the same this year. So, um, you know, to keep a clean sheet against them, against them is very, very pleasing. I remember you started last season really well and, and you sort of carried that on. And I guess you were frustrated that it all came to an end when it did because you, you were very handily placed, weren't you? Yeah, we were. I mean, we were we were in the top five all year last year, and and on merit really because we I felt we were we were a top five scaffold side based on our performances and how we played. Um, you know, we were a little bit gutted when the season um, got cut short, but it was out of our hands. Of course, we totally understood, um, and it was a case of going to work for this year. Um, you know, we have changed bits and pieces. Obviously, there's new players that have come in and players that have gone, but. Uh, yeah, like I'm happy with the balance I've got. I'm happy with the squad I've got. Um, there's a good vibe, a good change of room. All the, all the key elements are in place for the things that I look at to be successful. And um, yeah, like I said, we've had, a, we've had a really good start. I think the thing with Tunbridge Wells was they were a bit of a sleeping giant, but it seems that in since you've been, you've certainly got them going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, we work hard. We've, we've worked hard and I've got a group of staff that, phenomenal that are really really good across all aspects whether that's the medical whether that's the coaching whether that's set pieces 
Um, you know, we, we, we sort of tick every box from that element. The players buy into that. The players are aware of that and what they've got, and I think they appreciate it. They also appreciate the fans they're playing in front of every week um, and also the support they get from the club. So, you know, there's an all-round package there, really, for a 10-12 player. And um, in terms of the setup that we've created and, and the atmosphere we've created and the environment. So it's, um, it's a good place to play. And like I say, players want to come and play here. I think at the start of the season, obviously, t- there's a lot of clubs people are looking at saying, oh, they've chucked a lot of money at this, they've signed him, they've signed him. I think you did your business very quietly, and then right at the end, you picked up Miles Cornwell, but you- you're generally happy with the squad you've got. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the squad I've got. I know I know what I've got with our squad, I know what we are, um, and I know, you know, the ability of it as well. Um, you know, we're, we're very different in the case of... In terms of the budget, like we're not throwing around the money that some of the clubs are in our league, um, and that's probably why our name doesn't get mentioned, but it does. Um, at the same time, yeah, we, you know, we did do our business quite early and got it done, so we could get boys into pre-season training early on. Um, in terms of Miles, he came available obviously a little bit later, um, but having spoken to him and him being with us for a week before we signed him, he he fitted what what we wanted and he was the type of player that we, we felt would come and do well um, he obviously felt the same and uh, yeah like I say everything he's done so far in training in the dressing room on the pitch you know it's, it's been superb so yeah long may that continue you move on then Saturday FA Cup a home tie against a team in your league uh, you, you had that in the first round obviously beating Iritha had a source at the game you said that was a really tough game for you so what are you going to expect from Beckenham this weekend well yeah nothing uh, no let up and nothing nothing different really you know it would be a good test for us um, you know Beckham are a good side and, and they have been for many years now you know they've they've got intentions of getting out of the league and, and pushing on and, and going up you know going up so it's going to be a tough test it's going to be a tough game you know we need to be at our best um, and but it's the FA Cup and you know anything can happen you know it's a, it's a free hit to try and get win a game and get to the next round and it's the same for every club at this stage so you know, we'll do all we can, they'll do all they can, and um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be a great game for everyone to watch, and uh, hopefully an enjoyable day, and um, you know, you never know, we might be through to the next round. Well, what does the FA Cup mean to, to Tunbridge Wells? I mean, it's, it's all money in the bank, isn't it? It is, it is all money in the bank. I mean, everyone will be very surprised if you're at Wembley for the final in May, <laughs> um, I'll be totally honest with you, but at the same time, you just, you know, if you can win one or two games, you know, it, it helps a lot, because you've got that little bit of income that's come in, especially in the times you're at at the moment. So, you know, any money we can pull in or get is, is valuable, um, even more so this year. And um, so, yeah, obviously, if we can win another game financially, it helps us a little bit. Um, the fans, the players, you know, coaches all want to be part of the FA Cup because of what it is. So, you know, a little run in it would be nice. Um, but, you know, we've won one game in it, which I'm pleased about. Um, you know, we bank that money, and it's a case of you know seeing what happens on Saturday, really. I suppose being at home is a massive advantage in this no replays era, isn't it? Well, it is. It is um, and, you know, it's very strange because it's one we're not used to, um, and even there's no extra time now; it's straight to penalties. So, you know, to to have that home advantage and, and to have a good go at another team, you know, is is um, is pleasing, especially for us to be at home in front of our fans. And then you move on, you've got Punjab on Tuesday in the league and, and they're a, a very up and down team. So th- there's no reason why this time next week you can't be looking at it thinking, oh, well, we're still up the top. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? I mean, we'll, we, we'll go about our business and do everything we do 
in preparation for games and um, doing some returning the games to, to get performances um, and points. You know, it's important to get points on the board early because if you lose on Saturday, there's no more pressure last night to get a win, to get points. If you lose again last night, the pressure builds game on game and game. So, you know, I'm over the moon to get six on the board out of six um, and to get us up and running. You know, we've got the FA Cup to focus on first and then, like I say, games are coming thick and fast. We're straight into Tuesday night and into league league action. So, yeah, no, it's good. And, you know, the boys have had a long life. So, you know, they're loving being back playing and, and how thick and fast the games are coming. So, it's, um, yeah, it's all good. We're enjoying it. And, um, yeah, hopefully in a week's time it'll be as you say. As I said to him there, Matt, a sleeping giant, Tunbridge Wells. A few years in the doldrums, but in just over a year under Richard Styles, they have made massive, massive progress. Yeah, you know, you think, well, how many years ago were that Wembley? 2013. 13. So that's seven years ago. They're expected to, um, I think, probably use that as a stepping stone going forward. I went for a few managers. I think a couple of seasons ago when we started this pod, they had an absolute horrid season, didn't they? But he's got in there. We've met him again, like every manager we go, we speak to on this programme. You know, the detail they go in to work things out, to achieve things. You have to admire it. And they've had a great start to the season. 4-0 against Beerstead, 5-0 on Saturday. Will they, as he said there, a lot of money being thrown around in this division when you look at the goal scorers and that. But they'll go under the radar. A uh, decent crowd at 211, which is probably what they would get normally. So the fans are uh, looking to support them. So, yeah, will they be one of the shocks, John? I think he thinks he's pretty confident his side can uh, uh, be one of the sides near at the right end of the table. As you said there, they were in the top five all last season. Yeah. And, and I suppose when everybody was making all their signings, Tunbridge Wells kept their powder dry a little bit. They they did their business very quietly. And then right at the end, as I said to him there, they snuck in. They picked up Miles Cornwell, a striker who scored goals at the level above, a, a well-known name in, in, in the league. And as he said, it's not just about signing Miles. He said he's, he's everything. Everything's done on the training ground, off the pitch and on the pitch so far has been magnificent. So... That they they've done the right thing there in in getting him in and, and while everybody else is throwing loads of money at it, who's to say that a Tunbridge Wells within their budget can pay their bills on time can't upset the apple cart? I would say yeah, probably from one of the sides when we were looking at the, the thing there, you probably thought mm, high end of the table, but good start to the season. There's only two games gone, but they won in the FA Cup as well. Your Chathams and your Sheppies are up there. Interesting as well. I want to change you some bit. Ballam have won two out of two, John, and we didn't know much about them, did we? Uh, from that, Beckenham's up there. So I think it's a it's a good start. They've just got to rebuild on that big FA Cup game on the, at the weekend against the side in their in their own league. It's important for that because then you know you could then draw. I know could, could draw the big boy. Not that you get many people in the ground, but you know you can test yourself against the likes of Ebbsfleet and Dartford, or at least the Margates, before they come in as well. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a fine start to the season for them. Yeah, you mentioned Ballam there, actually, and uh, a regular listener, Daniel Storey, has seen Ballam a couple of times. Uh, he went to their cup game last week, uh, and he also went to their game last night as well, on, on Tuesday night. Uh, he did say last week was a really good game of football. Uh, he, he said he really liked the look of Ballam and he thinks there's a surprise a few clubs in the scaffold, especially if they're not taken seriously. Uh, and then he went to see them. They played taken uh, seriously by us, probably. That's the thing looking at the <laughs> Well, but they, he went to the game um, between Fisher and Ballam last night. Obviously, two teams who don't quite fall under the uh, the the. Kent Nonny podcast banner because of the way we do it but he said uh, it was a competitive game of football some tasty challenges Ballon were not as good going forward uh, as they were 
the previous week, but defensively absolutely brilliant, especially in the last 15 when Fisher threw everything at them. Uh, and he said that Fisher were okay and they had a, a, a good target man up front as well. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how, how those fare. But as you say, you look at the early table, four teams got, have got two wins from two, Chatham, Sheppey, uh, Ballam and, and Tunbridge Wells. So fair, fair play to all of them for a good start. At the other end, uh, Lordswood and Canterbury City have both played two and lost two. On Hollands and Blair, Tower Hamlets and Irith Town have also got Neil Point. Although the first two of those do play on Wednesday night in Irith Town, uh, have obviously missed the fixture this week. One result we should mention from Saturday, uh, K-Sports 4-0 win at Glebe. A stunning result that I don't think anyone would have predicted. Well, actually, I know that no one would have predicted because no one got it right in the Scaffold Super 6 League, in which both myself and Matt Gerrard scored 10 points in week one. Don't forget to do your predictions this weekend, kids. Uh, but that is a superb result for K-Sports uh, at much fancy Glebe. Yeah, I know K-Sports, the facilities are not being used by many clubs there, so they, they'll be utilising that from there. Not many people would have expected that. I know they, they lose their second game. They lost the other night, last night, though, I think, didn't they? So, But it was a good result against Glebe, because we thought when we spoke to Glebe that with Gary Alexander, we thought they might be one of the sides up there, the players he's got in. So, yeah, so it's only two games gone. I think maybe we look at it, if we actually get there, 10, 15 games, and we'll know. Uh, what the scaffold will look like, but no surprise, Chatham Sheppey won in their first two games. Exactly. Uh, you can see all of the results uh, from the first weekend on the Scaffold website. Uh, this weekend, many clubs are in FA Cup action, but there are four Scaffold Premier League division matches. Uh, Lords will travel to AFC Croydon. K-Sports hosts Irith Town. Punjab United take on Ballam and Tower Hamlets, who are playing at Phoenix Sports. Don't forget, are at home to Crowborough Athletic, whose nil-nil draw with Fisher on Saturday instantly means that our charity pot is off and running for the season. Uh, there's then a full programme of midweek fixtures again on Tuesday. It's Beers against Chatham Town. Crowborough Athletic against Great K-Sports, Deal Town against Sheppey United, Irith and Belvedere against Beckenham Town, Fisher take on Tower Hamlets, Glebe against Corinthian, and it's Punjab United against Tunbridge Wells. And then on Wednesday, Ballam are at home to Welling Town, Canterbury take on Hollands and Blair, and Irith Town meets AFC Croydon. Into the first division, where there were some big wins to start the season. Lid Town beat Stansfeld by six goals to three. Rustle were five on winners over Kent Football United. Greenways beat Bryder Ropes 4-0. And Kennington also hit four, beating Holmesdale 4-2. Rochester United now under new manager and former Maidstone boss Lloyd Hume beat Forest Hill Park 3-0. Sutton Athletic were 2-0 winners at Meridian VP. And the points were shared between FC Armstead and Croydon 2-2. And Snodland and Lewisham Borough, which finished 1-1. Uh, this weekend in Scaffold Division 1, it's Brighton Ropes against FC Olmsted, Holmesdale against Lidtown, Kent Football United against Greenways, Rochester United against SC Thamesmead, Russell against Croydon, Snodland Town against Forest Hill Park, and Sutton Athletic against Kennington. Uh, what, Rochester, would you say uh, Lloyd Holmes got at Rochester, hasn't he? Yes, he has. I think there's a Harrison Hume in there. Do you think that's his boy? I uh, I did put that two and two together, and that's the I, I came up with four, but uh, you you never know. But that would seem to make sense to me. And Lloyd Hume, obviously, a, a a, exactly a character and well known across the county. And I think that's a an astute appointment for for Rochester. Yeah, I, I think um, you know he was of course he was big with Adam Walker at Maidstone. Uh, big character knows a lot of people in the game. He'll go in there. Rochester, well, maybe there's a lot of sides going up. There's a lot of sides desperate to do well in this division. A good result for my, my even though when my Bradley Baker's not playing for him, six goals for uh, for Lidtown. And uh, my uh, my mate Josh is now playing for Greenways, John. He's left Canterbury and he's playing for Greenways. So we'll keep him up for them. They had a good result and a clean sheet for him because they won 4-0. 
Exactly, that's a, a good start. So on then to the FA Cup, uh, which will occupy the minds of the rest of our scaffold and our Isthmian League South East sides this weekend, or as Matt will never ever call it, the pitching in Isthmian League South East. Uh, the ties are this weekend, Ashford United against Whitehawk, Burgess Hill Town against Hollands and Blair, Carl Shorten against Whitstable Town, Cray Valley PM are at home to VCD Athletic, Deal Town take on Sittingbourne, it's East Grinstead against Phoenix Sports, Irith and Belvedere against Alford, Faversham are at home to Eastbourne Town, Hastings against Herne Bay, Hythe Town against South Park, New Haven against Corinthian, Sevenoaks against CB Hounslow, Sheppey United are at home to Uxbridge, Stansfeld of Division 1 who beat Punjab United on penalties last Wednesday are at home to Little Common, Tooting and Mitchum take on Fisher, it's Tunbridge Wells against Beckenham Town as we've already heard from Richard Stiles, and Westside against Chatham Town. I've deliberately left one game to last there as it brings us to our second interview this week. Uh, Ramsgate start their season with a cup tie against Chipstead at Southwood. And after doing a lot of their transfer business early in pre-season, hopes are again high for the Rams to have a good campaign. So yesterday I caught up with Rams boss Matt Longhurst, who took over midway through last season and is now hoping to hit the ground running against Chipstead. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we did the business early. Um, obviously, we brought in a few at the back end of last year when I first took over anyway. And then obviously frustrating for everybody that we obviously then uh, the season ended prematurely. So... We, um, yeah, so we kind of, I'd already identified, I mean, a lot of the players that I've signed have played for me previously, but I've never been able to keep them all together because they've been offered uh, money to go or go and play higher at bigger clubs. So um, if I would have been able to do so before, I would have kept the nucleus of this group together at other places. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so, but it's been a bit frustrating pre-season because we haven't yet had all of them on the pitch at the same time. Duke, like Lee Prescott's just had a baby. James Morris has been away working. Um, Ashley Miller's picked up an injury. He's out for three or four weeks. Tom Chapman's been out in the last two weeks. Rory Smith was still in Australia up until three weeks ago. So, yeah, it, it's been a little bit busy, which is good because we've had loads of questions answered in terms of players that might not start the season in a team that now might do. And obviously, we've had to utilise the whole squad across pre-season. So, it's given us a good opportunity to look at everybody and see who's ready and who's not. So... I suppose that is the beauty of pre-season, is it? Because you, you get to see how everyone's going to link up together. And I suppose, although you'd love to have everybody available, having a few not there has kind of helped you out then. Without a doubt, yeah, because we've got to see that if we do get those injuries, I mean, you can have a perfect pre-season in the sense of perfect results and win all the games and nobody gets injured, but it doesn't really throw up any answers. So, you then, I've had it before, we've won every game in pre-season, got into the first league game and lost the first four because we've had two injuries in the first two weeks and we haven't quite known what to do with the team. So, with this scenario, this way round... We've narrowly lost by the odd goal to Margate, Cole Shorten, Kingstonian, um, beaten Folkestone by the odd goal, sort of quite convincingly beat some Kent League teams. So it's been quite good in the sense of that we've learned loads um, during the course of the, of the summer. So, yeah, no, definitely we've had uh, lots of questions answered by, by the group. Obviously, you start with the FA Cup on Saturday, a, a home tie. Um, so I suppose you, you'll be looking forward to that one. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, we've got lots going on this week. I mean, I've just been at the ground today in, in, in between working, and um, we've got uh, we've got two new panna cages which have been installed in the ground this week, um, which is just un- unbelievable for our level of football to have that installed. So the idea behind that is that we then engage our younger fans and our youth section because we've got over six hundred kids in the youth section now, um, and we've been doing a lot of work with that across the summer. So they now will be able to utilise those panna cages in a safe environment. Right? We- 
with the stewarding uh, while they're obviously their parents and adults etc watch the game so by keeping them engaged in the stadium hopefully that will mean that the crowds then will go up and obviously that's the idea is to try and get more people watching the team so that opens on Saturday we've got a new sponsors lounge which is being redecorated we've got a new sponsor for that that provides food for half time uh, within the sponsors lounge and then the players food so that's uh, so that's obviously good so there's lots of stuff going on in and around it that's being built for the future and it culminates obviously with, with the FA Cup game on Saturday obviously Chip's still a team that people will know you, and you will know having played against them when they're in the South East Division they're not at the moment so what sort of challenge do you think they'll provide? Yeah very strong um, they've been they've been together under the previous manner Anthony for probably a couple of years and then the, the, his assistants then took the job when he left um, so they sort of continued to build on that and they had a very good year last year I think they did had a reasonable cup run I think it was a trophy I don't think it was the FA Cup I think it was a trophy they did okay in um, and they they've got a fairly sort of they've got a sort of kind of a consistent group of players they've added Chris Balter that's coming from Dawkins in the summer um, and they've got got some very very good players they've got a lad called Carmel and Neves that used to play for me at left back um, but yeah they've got a good blend and a good manager um, experience and I say they were on the crest of a wave a little bit before lockdown so they were sort of heading towards the playoffs and I think they were probably a little bit disappointed that the season finished when it did um, so having kept all of that I don't think they've lost any players and I think they've just added one or two so that it'll be it'll be a tough test it, it sounds to me Matt like you've really bought into the project at Ramsgate massively the reason I went there to be honest I um, when I left East Grinstead I kind of I really wouldn't have got... I've been there four years and we, we've moved the club forwards massively and kind of come to the end of it there really wasn't really much more that I felt I could do without them really going out and becoming a much bigger club because as the manager there, you have to do a lot. Um, whereas Ramsgate basically got me in because of the things that I've done in the past in terms of producing my own players, coaching players, recognising young players and building the structure of a club. And so they kind of... The, chair, the new chairman came in um, sacked the previous manager and, uh, on the Saturday and got wanted to get me in on the Monday, um, of which I did. And it's just grown from strength to strength. So we've literally, myself and the chairman, because of furloughing myself and him, we've been able to spend the last sort of five months building the club. So we've opened soccer schools within the club, which we saw 100, 120 kids attend uh, three weeks during the course of the summer. We've we've brought over 28 new youth teams, so we've merged with a club called Fanic Colts, so they've now become under our banner. Um, we've we've then got the reserves, which are now playing in a, on a Saturday league, because when I first got here, none of the youth team players or uh, reserve team players were available Saturdays because they played midweek, so they was working at the weekend, so we had to change that. Um, so yeah, so the whole the whole thing is massively. The club's changed massively in the six months, seven months I've been here. We've literally ripped it up. We've had the dressing rooms redecorated, uh, so it's more professional environment. The first team players have got the same tracksuits, training kit, bags, flip flops, literally everything from top to bottom, towels, sloggies. Um, so. Yeah, we've kind of stripped it back and started from the top and worked down. So, like I say, all the youth teams are the same. They're all wearing the same kit as the first team, home and away. They all wear the same tracksuits, training kit as well, even in the youth section. So, it's um, it's a major project, which does take time. But, uh, I say, the chairman's been unbelievable. The board, I think we've got 30 people now uh, on the youth team board, let alone the first team section. So, it's um, yeah, it's gathering pace, but it just takes time to build a football club. You're not going to do it overnight, but... 
from the first team point of view, I think there's been a few sort of false storms for the Rams in the past few years. And I guess the Rams fans would like to know that it's going to be a good season ahead. Yeah, well, I, I sat with the Supporters Association last week and outlined what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it. And I think it's important that they get relayed that message so they understand that it's not a short-term fix. I think in the past, they've looked at the first team and the first team only, but there's never any going to be any longevity to that. Whereas my background is, I mean, my, my old club, Corinthians, there's players in the first team now that have just played in the FA Vars semi-final that were training with the first team at 15 years old when I was in charge. Um, and they, they've, they've bared that fruition now. Um, and as I say, I think even with East Grinstead, like the stability point of view and the, and the initial processes of bringing youth team managers and coaches in, they're now building upon them. I think it's the same here. The, cl the club has to understand and supporters have got to understand where you're going and what you're trying to do. And if they can see that there's a clear path to what you're trying to achieve, then they'll buy into it. And, and, and they understand the process in terms of having long-term success because it isn't just about the first thing. If we just build it like that again, you're you'll have it won't happen overnight so but yeah I think like I say I had a good meeting with about 30 of them last week and um, they're excited by the fact that we've got a, a homegrown group of amongst and then a Kent based team um, and I think they just want some stability to the playing group um, they want to see the same players on a regular basis they don't want to see you lose two games and change five players um, and if we do get two injuries they want to see um young players being given their opportunity within the club and I think if they can see that and they understand what you're doing then they can sort of see that there's a pathway and what you're trying to do but like I say if you look at any of the clubs that have been successful even at our levels they've got the same manager for a period of time the same players for a period of time um, and if that, that's, that is the only way to do it like I say Cole Shorten uh, Cray Wanderers Hastings Worthing they've all got same manager, they've all got the same group of players. So even at those levels, um, it shows that works. And just finally, Matt, on a more light-hearted note, we've actually met once at Southwood when you were East Grinstead manager, and uh, you were the—I was the journalist that you told that you were going to take the supporter out for something to eat afterwards uh, to, to say thank you to him for coming. So I'm guessing you're hoping that you get better performances at Southwood these days. Without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, no, and we did that as well, you know, he took him out, he took his family out for pizza and gave me the receipt and I made the players pay for it, um, and it actually culminated in us um, actually winning the, uh, an award for the for the best fans, because he actually wrote to um, Richmond Sausages, and we had Harry Redknapp and Hayley McQueen come to our ground the following year, and we had uh, a live screen, and he came in the dressing room, and he was in the dugout, and that all came off the back of that story. You see, Matt, I, I broke that story all those years ago about them taking that bloke out for something to eat and it won East Grinstead Town in a war. We're not here to talk about that. But I remember so clearly, I, that was a day I'd done both. I did both because Margate were at home, Ramsgate were at home. So I went to Margate, got my reaction there and then drove over to Ramsgate, went in the bar, found uh, one of the wards, whichever one's turn it was to speak to me. And then I found Matt Longhurst, dragged him out of the bar and he gave me that line about paying for the, the, the one supporter who'd followed them to go. Uh, and and that, that, I guess that kind of shows the, the, the measure of the man that Ramsgate have got in there. And what I really enjoyed that interview and I really got a feel for him. As you heard me say sort of halfway through, he has bought into the project there, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I didn't know. Did he say he's ex-manager Corinthian as well? No, he did say that, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I, I know, I thought he was Sussex-based, living in the Thanet area. I know that um, 
one of the basically one of the no use of information one of the people i work with her husband is a secretary so and i think he said that he, you know he's been quite impressed with matt longhurst how he's come in and sort of doing they bought again bought in players that um he's known before because ramsgate were very sort of anybody who's decent in thanet would always go to ramsgate and play because they picked up a lot of players from the sort of sunday league which is quite a high standard over here so yeah he's gone in there um and he mentioned about the cages and the community, a really old community club, and a lot of the kids who go there as well. So I think he's done it, and he's he's enjoying it. And I think he probably has an over, an over, a full 360 view of the club down from the youth to the first team. It's going to be a big season for Ramsgate, I think, because at the back end of last season they didn't do well. A couple of seasons they haven't done well, and Nick Davis in there, and they brought in a lot of players. But he's got players in he trusts. And they'll go from there. You know, one they were. I think they were a penalty kick away from playing Conference South under the wards at some stage. So there is a chance that they can get to those levels if they're successful. You know, looking at it, you would expect some of the other Kent clubs to do better than them. But after listening to that again from what Matt said, I think he's pretty confident because he knows this level, knows the players that they can be successful. And it's good to see. It's good to see the stuff they're doing off the pitch. Yeah, and, and I thought what was important there was he said about the continuity, and obviously. I've known Ramsgate for for a while, and and the continuity has been sort of missing there. They've they've chopped and changed a lot. But if he's in it for the long haul, and he's bringing in players who who he knows that that have kind of played together in the past, or even if it's not been for a long time, that, that they've got a good grounding there. And it's almost like they're with players that he knows as well. They're trying to get ahead of themselves in, in that aspect because he obviously firmly believes that the best way to be successful is stability. And, and he pointed out all those teams who have had that stability. And if Ramsgate can do that, there's no reason why they can't be really successful because I know from Ramsgate, you know from Ramsgate, if they're playing well, people will turn up and watch them, won't they? Uh, yeah, I think um, they've got a good hardcore support base. Um, I wonder if they still play the air raid siren when they score. I think they're probably, it's, it, I, I quite like, I love the old ground up at Southwood. It's a lovely old ground, lovely old stand sort of thing. But if people can care passionately for it, I, I think they need, I think they need a good season. And probably Matt Longhurst needs a good season from it. But from what he was saying there, he's pretty confident that they, they will have a good season and will big game in the, um, in, in the FA Cup for them this week. Chipstead, Chipstead are a decent, when they've done one in the Vars, like they, they, they seem like a, a side that are doing pretty well. So I think it's a tough test and it's probably a good test for them. Are they the same sort of level? Are they Yeah, they're, they're the same level. They are the, um, obviously the, the equivalent of the, uh, whatever the league's called now. So they're yeah. in the North division, are they? But Chip, uh, they're Chipstead, in Central. Whatever, whatever it is. But, but yeah, I think Chipstead are one of these teams who do always do quite well, I think. So it's a bit of a test for them there. And again, a cut run, as he says, you know, it's, it's good for the coffers in some way, even though there's less money in it than it was last year, and good for the uh, pedigree of the club. Funny enough, do you know what? Exactly three years ago today, the 9th of September. It's your birthday, uh, Friday. It is my birthday, Friday. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, but exactly three years ago today, I actually it was the last time I was at Southwood because I went down to Ramsgate to do a game for the Kent Nonny podcast. And uh, I'm just looking, they're playing South Park. I, I can't remember the score. I do remember bumping into uh, our, our mutual friend, Mr. Rinkersoll, though. So win-win right. uh, for everybody that day. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, bigger and better things. Look at him now. I know. Bobbing with Sam, with David Moyes. I know. And he's got a girlfriend and everything. Well done, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Rebskate, uh, as I say, a, a club that I've got a, a real affection for. I, I spent 
a very happy couple of years alternating between covering them and and, and Margate and and being down at games. And I always felt so welcome uh, down at Southwood. So uh, hopefully th- this isn't a false dawn. And hopefully under Matt Longhurst, who sounded really impressive there, that they're going to do something impressive this year. And that division, again, is going to be wide open. We saw what happened with, with those clubs uh, last year. We, we will obviously talk about this more next week, but so many it, good clubs in that level. And, and again, another fascinating division. And for those teams, they start on Saturday with the FA Cup and their first priority is is to get through that. And then that gives them such a grounding for the season, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing you play in the FA Cup first up. If you win, it's a great thing. Yeah, I, I don't... It's um, yeah, I think it is. If you lose, I think it's a real. You're starting the season straight on a, on a, on a real downer. But and again, I think it was the other interview you said that there's no extra time in this. How do you how do sides approach this now? Because you might think Chipstead might think mm, we can get a draw. We'll definitely do them at our place. But do they think right? The tactics must change for a lot of sides as well. I would have thought. Yeah, because there's no there's no replay. So being at home is is obviously a bigger advantage, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I would have th- yeah. So it'd be interesting to see again. We'll probably do some stats after this because I think it, when there's, there's quite a few of the old League Cup games in the football league. I'm talking about that. I think they went to quite a lot went to penalties, didn't they? Mm. So I think you may find that a lot of FA Cup ties go to penalties. There you go. We'll have to see if that's the case more than normal. Absolutely. Um, obviously, looking at those FA, other FA Cup ties, uh, I know you're going to go to deal against Sittingbourne. Sittingbourne have, have made a cracking sign in uh, in Andy Drury. I didn't realise actually he was a Sittingbourne lad. Uh, Drury, but he's been round round the house. He's had a good football league career. He's 36, uh, and now he's decided to come back to to his hometown club. So uh, th- you'll be interested to see his debut on Saturday. Yeah, um, I saw him play. I think like Christmas when he played for Ebsley, uh, well, last Christmas when he played for Ebsley against Dover. He was a, still a class act then. 36. Yeah, he started out at City Bourne. That's what got his big move to Ebsley and decent career. And he's had from there, giving something back. And a bit like Danny Kedwell, who's gone back to one of his clubs, and now. Um, He's gone there. I'm really interested in that. I know Speak to Speed King. It's going to, you know, he's going to be tough. But he said he was going to, he was going to scout them at their friendly, see what they're like. He knows a lot of their players, so um, I'm looking forward to it. Should be a good game. Yeah, I'm also going to go to a game on Saturday myself. I'm going to uh, just nip along to New Haven to to see Corinthian. Um, there, there was also a suggestion because uh, our good friend FA Cup Fact File on Twitter. Uh, the game Langley Wanderers are playing on Saturday. I can't remember who they're playing. Someone not local to us, but that is an 11:30 kickoff uh, <laughs> on Saturday. I, I don't know. Well, what's the point? I don't know. Maybe Eastbourne Borough have got a friendly afterwards. I really don't know. But Langley Wanderers is a half 11 kickoff on Saturday, so that opens up the possibility of a double header. Uh, and Phil from Pickup Backfire was like, "Well, Hastings is only this far away." And I looked, and actually, New Haven is a couple of minutes uh, closer. But my reasoning. Uh, d- for going to for picking New Haven over Corinthian rather than Hastings against Herne Bay is I can go to Hastings Herne Bay in the league at some point uh, whereas New Haven versus Corinthian is, is pretty much a one-off so uh, I'm going to be along oh, it's only about 20 minutes in the car something like that so um, so it should, it should be good and interesting to see it'll be interesting to see how Corinthian get on and, and uh, obviously they'll still be reeling from the uh, from the cup uh, from the vars but a, a good opportunity for them in the fa cup but, but lots of fixtures that stand out there Sheffield united will fancy their chances of an upset against uxbridge i'm sure um stansfeld might be thinking they've got a chance of getting through another round as well with a home tie against little common which also isn't far from me uh favisham at home to eastbourne town again they'll be they'll be confident 
Um, and, and funny enough, one, one of the toughest ties for, for, is one of our better teams, Ashford United against Whitehawk. That's arguably one of the hardest ties of the round for our Kent sides, Matt. Yeah, how many how many are we expecting to get through? Do you reckon? Oh, we did. We were quite good last time. I think. Yeah. Well, how many? Uh, let me just count them. So three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen ties. There's one guaranteed to be through Tunbridge Wells uh, against Beckenham. Uh, out of those other seventeen, I'm going to go ten as well. I'll tell you what. I'll go twelve just to just to. Uh, balance things out. So actually, there's two all Kent ties. Obviously, Cray Valley against VCD as well. So yeah, 12. I'm going to go for going through in total. I think. Uh, yeah, fingers, well, fingers crossed that'll work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Good. Fingers crossed. Uh, let's have a look then at the rest of the county's news. Then starting with the game Matt went to on Saturday, where Margate met Dover Athletic in a pre-season friendly at Hartsdown Park. Our friend is near six-month wait to be at a game. I'm sure Matt has done a great job with an interview with Margate boss Jay Saunders. So here it is. Yeah, long. Um, what was that? Uh, I, clearly, I did speak to Jay Saunders, but I must have pressed the start and then stop button pretty quickly. Uh, in my defence here, I spoke to him and it went out in the pitch. It was quite windy. And I said, oh, can we move to the dugout? And I reckon I must have pressed the button thinking I hadn't started it. So I've got one second of Jay Saunders. Do you want me well, to say what he said? Though? Well, no, well, here's the it's thing. You've wasted, you, you've wasted my time. You've wasted your time. And most importantly, you've wasted Jay Saunders' time. Um, so can you at least remember anything that he said to, to paraphrase the interview um, for us? Yeah, he said that he was trying to bring a striker in who was um, bringing in, but he was moving house, but he was trying to do that. He's trying to bring players in there. John Ufua, who had a good game against Dover, normally a winger, but they put him up top and he scored a good goal. Um, he's looking forward to the start of the season. It's going to be a difficult season, but um, one of the, they're just glad to be get going. Uh, one of the concerns was they got Brightland Sea Regent first game of the season. Normally they would do a coach, so that's a concern because how do players get there? Because can't really go on coaches. But he's pretty confident. He's got players in. He'd like a few more players in, um, but he just can't wait for the season to go. They said that he said you know the results hadn't been good in pre-season, but he said it really happens if they win their first game of the season. Um, everybody forgets about that. And talking about Margate, I said it's the first game I've been to since in lockdown. Very well organised, where people can go. So that you can see they put a lot of work in. There's a lot of X's on the ground and, and seats you can sit in. But it works really well on that point of view. There's a decent crowd in. Um, everybody was social distant. There's a bit of singing from the Margate fans. So fair play to them um, to getting it all done. And you know, working well off the pitch, Margate, and hopefully results can improve on the pitch. But I think he knows it could be, a, a, you know, expectations will be high and maybe Margate may not be up there. But if he can get the players in he wants, I think they're, but they were desperate for a striker. And I think they drew two all last night against Astra, but I couldn't see that they actually signed a striker um, at that point. No, I haven't seen that either. I'm talking of actually Ashford and strikers. Jay May has uh, has, has left Homelands this week and uh, after receiving an offer from Romford. Uh, so good to see they're still uh, chucking the pennies around. Uh, but although Romford haven't actually confirmed that move yet, I don't believe. Uh, but it does appear that Jay, uh, Jay May uh, has has moved to Romford from Ashford. Uh, Dover Athletic have brought in a striker though, Matt. Yeah, Keen Rose from Knox um, County. Quick. Uh, striker played two, 15 games for Grimsby last season recommended by Jake Hessenthaler. Um play on the shoulder all left footed uh, having seen Dover it's going to be a difficult season I think they need a lot more experience in the side um, but 
still three weeks or so to go to the start of the season, so no panicking just yet. It was a, it was a decent game. I thought Margate should have won really against Dover, but again they lacked that cutting edge up front, and Dover st- stole it in the last couple of minutes. But um, how much did but, it hurt you to see uh, when your new man was unveiled that he had the big man shirt? Uh, he's got very well. We can't retire his shirt, mate, can we? <laughs> um, that well. I'd always number 10 is the most important shirt there because Lee Weather used to wear that. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so any, other so, signings, so, so. any other signings in the pipeline for Dover? Because, I mean, yeah, you've brought in in a striker and you've brought in three other uh, players as well, but you're still a long way short of a squad. I know there's there's still a few weeks to go, but is there anything else coming? I think they need to get uh, move players on before they bring anybody in. So I, I think Dover may wait until really close in you know, there's a lot of players out there. Of course, the money situation may be a concern. They haven't got as much as other sides in this division. Um, but I think Andy Hessenthaler will play the waiting game. Um, I think the first game of the season is, is a way uh, home to Notts County. And then you've got Bromley, Neil Smith, Bromley, then away at Stockport. So difficult opening fixtures, that's what I'll say, with the current squad we've got. Yeah, talking of Bromley, they've actually started to they've signed another another player as well, haven't they? We 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 spoke uh, last week. Obviously, they'd signed Liam Trotter, and I do have some information about his former club, uh, which I can share with the group um, shortly. But they're, they're they're sort of trying to move it in the right direction. They, they, who who was the other chap they brought in, Matt? I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Brian Byron Webster was it? Were they buying and bringing him in from Millwall? Liam Trotter. Uh, was a defender who played for Walsall they'd brought in. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, 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 yeah. They, yeah, I can't remember his name. Were they buying, buying? Somebody said they were getting Webster from... They've got, they have got Webster. Hang on. Yeah. God, we're so professional, aren't they? Uh, they have signed. Let's have a look. Someone... They let, they let Broadstairs' favourite, Ryan Huddart, go, though. They did let Broadstairs own Ryan Huddart go. They've signed Tom Purrington, uh, played as a trialist against uh, Cray Wanders. The, the brother... Of Ben Purrington of Charlton Athletic, uh, came to the academy at, uh, at Plymouth Argyle, uh, has now joined on uh, at uh, Hayes Lane. And you are correct about Mr. Webster. Yeah. So, uh, so they've got a mixture of Byron Webster, 33-year-old centre back, uh, was at Carlisle last season, wealth of football league experience, and a big move for him because he's 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 been playing in the north. So, but he, to, he was at Millwall before, wouldn't he? So. Um... So he has got southern experience. So, but yeah, yeah. They're, but they they seem to have got a mixture of really experienced when they're bringing players through the academy. So, but um, Ryan Huddart's, um left, so I, my kids can't ask his dinner dinner lady mother where he's going. <laughs> exactly. Not at that school anymore. Well, that that would also be a be a hindrance then, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, but, so, but I know he lived in London, but I think you know he has a good background at Arsenal. Again, one of these keepers. Maybe um, you know I'm not a fan of really tall goalkeepers. You know, it's like strange. But I always think that goalkeepers who are too tall, it takes them an age to get down. You know, you see where I'm coming from. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that, that's so. Yeah, but he had a good background. I'm sure that some clubs will pick him up uh, from there if he if he wants to do. I know he's been um, West Ham's academy as a coach, so maybe he's going down the coaching route. But he's a big. You know, if, you know, if you're tall, it's difficult to get down in those corners. So, I, I, so if I was a manager, not that I'm saying a word. I wouldn't buy a six foot five goalkeeper. Okay, it's ironic because you'd have every other plan being six <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goalkeeper would be the smallest man in the team. <laughs> um, but obviously the fixtures were released on uh, on Tuesday for the 
National League and National League South. Uh, so some interesting games in all of them. I mean, all I really looked at was when all the Kent teams were at Eastbourne Borough, to be brutally honest. But uh, tough, tough one for you to finish with, mate, up at Hartlepool. Imagine if you need a point to win the league, the league. Yeah, yeah, slash <laughs> stay up. That's a tough place to go on the final day of the season. Yeah, especially as a quarter past five kickoff, probably, if the television's right there. In the middle of that bank holiday weekend. Probably, oh, probably is a bank holiday weekend, isn't it? It yeah. probably is, yeah. So, um, yeah, well, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be safe by uh, at least February, mate, so we don't need to worry about that. <laughs> we can send the academy boys if it's too late. Uh, looking down at the National League South, we've mentioned all the other clubs. Welling United, though, Matt, they haven't really made any sort of real signings yet. They've had some good pre-season results. They were, they were beaten at Cray Wanderers uh, 3-1 on Tuesday night, although by all accounts, the third goal for Cray Wanderers uh, by Freddie Parker, everyone is saying is one of the best goals they've ever seen. Uh, all, it was all a buzz on Twitter uh, overnight. But, but Welling United, Bradley Quinton came in uh, sort of mid-season, didn't he? And And... He was starting to rebuild something. They were getting some good results. And by the sound of things, he's gone back to the drawing board in terms of his squad, but working hard and still got time to, to finalise. Yeah, I haven't really seen much of what Welling had done. I suppose Dan Wilkes is a goalkeeper I quite like. He's still there. Um, Bradley Quinton will probably use players over the over the tunnel from his days there. So, yeah, you know, Welling are always either very good in this league or absolutely terrible, aren't they? Because you know, when they're up at the top of the table, they do you know playoffs. Like Jamie Day and Steve King, um, you know, Aidy Pennant was there. They're always pride and high, but although Welling are your standard national south side, aren't they? You know, occasionally have a bit in the conference and come back down. So, but Bradley Quinton, he's got promotion out of this league, so he will know what he needs to do to do it, probably with a similar budget with the head at Braintree. So I wouldn't write them off so far. I'm sure he's got players lined up. Absolutely. Uh, Obviously, five Kent teams in the uh, National League South. Uh, we didn't actually mention Bromley's start their season away to uh, Macclesfield. You've already mentioned Dover at home to Notts County uh, first up. Uh, but in the National League South, the opening day of the fixture, uh, opening day fixtures, which are on a Tuesday night, uh, don't forget because obviously they will start with the FA Cup. Also, what I don't understand is right. Yep. Like the FA Cup Saturday this time. The next yep. round's of midweek. Yep. Why didn't they just do a midweek so it makes it all easier? Why I don't are they, know. Why are they? Matt, if, if we were running the FA, there'd be a lot of things going on that aren't yeah, yeah, going exactly, on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, looking at the opening fixtures for the National League South, uh, a lot of Kent versus Essex at the top, uh, Billericay Town against Tunbridge Angels, Braintree against Ebbsfleet United, Dartford are at home to Chelmsford City, and, and a Kent derby as well uh, as Maidstone host Welling on the opening day of the season. Obviously, we'll talk about those uh, in more detail in the months to come. Now, Matt, you've also got a third interview for us this week, and I believe this one you actually managed to record. Uh, Do you want to tell everybody all about Steve Miller? Yeah, Steve Miller um, contacted me. He's um, got a football agency, a football agent. And and I think we asked before on the show that we would like somebody to, you know, what does an agent do? Do you need an agent for some of these players at this level? So he's starting out... um, CSA Sports Management. He's got a few players on the book, a few people that I know uh, are working with him. And we thought, oh, he was keen for a bit of advertising. So we thought we'd get him on and we discussed football agency and how it relates to non-league. And here it is. Football agent is basically, we look after sort of players' careers, um, try and get them new clubs, try and improve their contract situations and um, basically look after them. Um, it's no different from recruitment in a wider industry, but it's just very specific. Yeah, football agents do get a bit of a bad press um, in the media and some of the clubs that we deal with are, are pretty critical of um, agents. 
Um, have you found that it's an industry that certain people think it's um, you're a bit of a pariah, if you don't mind me saying so? I'm not, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but that's what that's the reputation they get, maybe from the media. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. There's some some poor agents out there. There's some agents who don't want to look after their players' best interests and who do just chase the money. Um, what I'm trying to do is do things a bit differently. Um, put the person first rather than the player, and then if you put the person first, then the, the player can do his own business after that. Um, so yeah, we, we we don't try and chase the, the quick buck. We try and do the best by the player and um, and go from there. Really, is it your company, SCSA Sports Management? Yes, yeah. So SCSA um, obviously sounds a bit like a weird name, um, but to give you some background behind it, it's um, sort of I want to make it sort of a, a family feel to anyone who who signs with my agency. Um, so SCSA, I'm Steve. Um, the C is Claire, my wife. S is Sophie, my eldest daughter, and A is Amy, my youngest daughter. So it's sort of a, all trying to get into the family vibe. And how did you get to become a football agent? I think the days have long gone that anybody could do it. I think you have to do a course and have to be uh, verified by the FA. Is that correct? Yeah, well, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah, I did this. So I did a course. I've been um, been sort of researching, training for a year, you could say, uh, and then you have to register with the FA to you know to make sure you're, you're up to the job, really. Uh, is it, um, was it quite an intensive course to do? Um, it was all, obviously due to the pandemic. It was all online. Yeah. Uh, um, um, but yeah, it's probably I don't know, about fifty-hour course, something like that. Right. And have you got any, have you got a background in sports and football or in any sort of? No, run? not at all. Um, I'm just a, a football fan. I'm a Chilean season ticket holder. Uh, been going there for I don't know, twenty-five years, something like that. Um, uh, but my background, work-wise, is in, in sales. Right. Um, so I thought, you know, put the combine skills together, my knowledge about football and my sales and building relationships with people and sort of go for it that way. Yeah, you're based in Margate, so one of the questions we're going to ask, you know, on yep. the podcast that John and I do, it's levels from, you know, the, the Kent League up to the National League, so, and knowing what, you know, dealing with when I'm working at Dover, the agents are, are there all the time, so mm-hmm. if, I, if I was a player, same at a Ryman League club or a Scaffold sort of club, should yep. I have an agent or... Does it need an agent? Um, I would say yes. Um, you need someone to be working on, on your behalf, promoting you. Um, if you. Obviously, if you're out of contract, you need, you need a club. And if you've got a club, then you need someone working you know, in, the, in the background because you never know what's going to happen next summer. You might be out of a club, and if someone's working for you, they've done all the, all the work for you in the meantime, and uh, you'll be sorted. Have you got any players um, in, in Kent or in, in, on the levels I've talked about on your books? Um, so the players on sort of levels you're talking about, the players I've got are mostly London-based, right. um, to be honest. But, uh, for example, I've got a player who was at Hornchurch last week with an ex-Chilligan manager, Mark Stimson. Um, I've got another player going to Barking on Saturday. So, yeah, so mainly London-based. So, uh, again, we're a bit of a limb down here. These players, you, sort of you negotiate with the clubs with them? or So any, you sort of... Send information about the um, these players to these clubs, or you, you've made contacts with you know Mark Stimson. You mentioned there things. Like, how does yep. it work? How does it how does it work as an agent? If, I, if you've got a player, how does it? What's the next sort of stage of that? So yeah, um, so a player will sign sign on with the agency and obviously give me permission to sort of market them, for want of a better word. Um, then I'll contact the club directly, uh, either by email or, or get the manager's number and have a conversation from there, yeah. and hopefully get them for trial, and then it's up to the player from there. Oh, do you do you finding that clubs in this you know, level we look at they're pretty receptive to you or have you had something oh I don't deal with agents we don't need that sort of thing or, or they, they know the game is moving on and they, they realise that agents are a big part of the game 
yeah, and I'd say overall it's, uh, it's gone a lot better than I thought. I didn't think uh, managers would be overly willing to speak to an agent they'd never heard of, um, but they are. Uh, I'd say probably 95% of managers I've, I've called or emailed or text have got back to me with something. Um, it's not always a yes, of course, um, but yeah, in general, very receptive and managers have been quite helpful, and give, you know, even to the point where they give me advice on a player's CV or what I can do differently. So, you know, I've been impressed. So, so marketing a player, do you send a video out or... If I gave you a play, would you scout him and then look at his background and bring him on, or you would take anybody on? Yeah. How does that work? So, of course, it's quite hard at the moment with um, with COVID. You can't go and, well, or you couldn't go and watch games and see players live. Um, so I'll look at, I'll get this player CV. I'll look at any videos they've got, um, do as much research as I can. Uh, if they play for a club before, I'll, I'll try and contact the like the previous manager of the club, um, do as much research as I can, and then um, then, then put them forward to the level I feel is appropriate. Yeah, I know before that. Who's got the power at the moment with the with the pandemic? You know, there's going to be a lot of players out of work who've been at various levels by being released from the academy or or from football league clubs. Who would you yeah. say has the power now? Is it the clubs who can sort of say, All right, I'm going to take my time, or does the player oh, player still have a bit of a hundred percent the clubs? Um, I'll give you an example. I was asked to recruit for a Northern Premier League team yesterday, mm. uh, and I've got a player who was on trial at West Ham <laughs> before COVID hit. Yeah. Um, Ball playing centre half, um, so sent his details, his video, his CV, uh, and they were like, "Oh, he, he doesn't look aggressive enough in in his video." And this is a player that was, you know, on the verge of signing for a Premier League team, and this is a team in Division Seven of the English Premier League. Really? Oh, right. So, yeah. So the clubs, the clubs got you know very specific requirements. Do, do, how disappointing is that for a player like you who's going into a Premier League club, etc., like that? So, you know, you've got to look after the mental health of these players as well because. You know, that's probably part of your um, role as well, is it? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think the only way I can do things at the moment is by being completely honest with players. Um, any feedback we get from clubs, you know, regarding CVs or, or videos, feedback to the player, say, what can we change about this? What would you write, what, you know, what do you want me to highlight about your game? Where can we go from this? Um, but just being honest, you know, there's no point giving a player false hope or anything like that. Have you been, uh, you don't have to name any names, but have you been dealing with any clubs uh, over, the, over the summer? So, so, but and again, there's a lot of players like that. And, and if you are a, a skeptical player and or a player that you think you're playing a level, how can people get in contact with you if, they, if you want to get on the agency? So the best way, the, we're building a website. It'll be finished by the end of the, end of the week. Um, the best way is probably Instagram, which is um, SESA Sports Management. All right, and and do, do the players need to um, provide a sort of CV where they've been, or you have a chat with them? How does it work from there? Yeah, literally. And also, I've seen a lot of football, John's seen a lot of football. If I see a player out there, yep. or a fan who watches football, and you think, oh, I think he's got something, Could, you know, I'm not trying to get the clubs, to, you know, sell behind the club's back, but <laughs> can you recommend yep. players to, if you, you know, have you got scouts out there who are looking at players for you? Yes, no, I've got a couple of scouts working for me as well. Um, they're going out to watch games. I mean, one of the scouts watched his first game on Monday, um, which actually featured uh, Barry Fuller playing, mm-hmm. um, what's the Gillingham legend. That was interesting, Matt. I think the, the, the one thing that I really, really wanted to know was why any player at this level sort of needs an agent. And I'm still probably none the wiser. I, I get what he was saying about how 
it's it's good for them to have to be able to focus on their football and have all the other stuff taken out out of their hands. But I mean, they're not earning thousands and thousands of pounds here. So is it worth their 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 time and their their money to to have someone like Steve? Who, who to be fair, sounds like he's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I think a lot of the players he's maybe representing are players who've been in the academy system, who probably don't. You know, if you're at a top club, that everything's done for you. And it's getting your name out to certain managers. You know, when I speak to Andy Hesenthal, he said his phone's constantly going with agents offering him players left, right and centre. So I think that's one of the things is that maybe some of the younger players who built up probably from an age of 10 have been at a club and then they maybe get released so it doesn't work out. They need somebody just to work it with them and go from there. And they get a bad press, football agents. But I think what he said in there that he was going to do and get people back on the ladder of playing football if they haven't got a club so we'll see interesting to see how he gets on over the seasons I know he's, he's been trying to get players in at Bromley and Welling and all various clubs in our area so um, and also as he said there John if you spot a player John that you think's you know good at your game this weekend you think you're going to be recommending to him and if it works out you know it's it's from there so he's always on the eye out for players and you know there is some rough diamonds in this area I'm sure yeah, interesting thing for him to do as well to to sort of turn his back on on what he's always known and and uh, and go down this path and obviously take the course to becoming an agent and and you know, good good luck to him and and fair play. I mean, as someone who left everything he knew to to take on his own business, I can only say good luck to him. Well, yeah, I, I'm just hoping it works out for him. I really do. Um, I think he's put a lot of effort in. It's a difficult one. If you, I know he had a bit of a background watching football, but. There's a lot of agents out there, so it's getting your name out, getting yourself good players, um, and then to work together from that point of view. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned about Andy Hessenthaler fielding a lot of calls because I actually had a text message from someone the other day who's trying to get hold of him and was checking if he had the right number, and it was the right number, so perhaps uh, he's just ignoring you um, for for some reason. But the, the whole agent thing, I, I do still find a bit interesting. And Matt, please don't um, look down on me for the next sentence that I'm about to say. Yeah. But there was a time during our fleeting radio career where I did ponder, you know, maybe Matt and I should get an agent, you know, and we could see if, if someone could get us involved in, in at the higher level. And then I briefly thought about it and thought, well, uh, we're not getting any money for this. So how would we actually pay it? Would it actually be out of pocket? Uh, so it was a very fleeting moment. But uh, I suppose you would show how serious you were about something if you went down that path. And and the, the players that, that we know who've gone on to to play into the Football League, I've always taken it so seriously. And I guess having an agent is part of that. Yeah, I think it's getting your foot in the door. A lot of these clubs, a lot of the players that he's going to get in and be trialling. You impress somebody, you do well. And from there, football, as we all know, is all about opinions. You, you As it, what I said earlier, wasn't it, about that goalkeeper, I wouldn't buy a six foot five goalkeeper. But, you know, that, that's my opinion if I was a thing. But there might be somebody else who thinks they're the best thing since sliced bread. So I think it's just somebody just backing you up in the corner uh, within the game that can be really helpful for you. And if you've got good contacts, you know, there'll be players like that. If, you know, for example, Jamie Vardy, when he came in, if he didn't have an agent and went to Stockbridge and Halifax, he could still be banging the goals in the Northern Premier League. So I think if you've got somebody who's really looking out for you and not for themselves, it could be a win-win situation. Absolutely. Well, I hope it works out for Steve uh, at his uh, at his new agency. And, and you can find them uh, on social media. SCSA Sports Management are where you find them. 
Uh, that's it for the football chat. So, uh, Matt, how, how are you? How, how was your daughter? Your daughter looked thrilled when I saw her on FaceTime last week. But how's she getting on at school? All right. Yep, she's doing her homework. Which is the when she finishes school and says, "Right, you'll do your homework for us." And we don't get, you know, I come on a Sunday evening. I've got fourteen things to do. She had to learn her about civil servant last night, which in history, which I didn't really know what the um, thing was. Already, I've already struggled at her maths homework. Cause we had a bit of a question which she didn't really understand, but. We had to Google it and got the answer. And then we worked back. So if the school's listening, you know, there you go. Um, but yeah, she settled in. They're all settled in back at school. Like everything, even in discussion at work, you know, there seems to be certain schools that have had to shut down because of issues. So that is always a concern with the situation we're in, particularly after the six six people now. And Boris's announcement this afternoon. I see what I was on there, John. Did you see um, they were trialling um, Doncaster races today? Yeah, gone. It's gone. So I don't know what impact that might have on uh, on plans to get supporters back into National League games. And also the FA uh, Vars and Trophy finals in a couple of weeks' time, which was going to be a test event. But yes, it did come up. So, uh, so I, will the National League start with no crowd? I don't think it will. So then, you, then we're in all sorts of problems again. Yep, exactly. So well, And I did read the non-league paper. I don't know how true this was. I put the non-league paper this week. Well, so, David didn't win. So why did you buy that? Just mopping up on my knowledge, John, because clearly oh, I need it after the, the debacle with Jay Saunders. That, that, <laughs> said that, um, that the league has set it. This is this is a Farnborough fan. He said that he'd heard that a league will be decided if they when they play seven games. So if you play seven games, and then bang, lockdown comes. But why wasn't that the case last season? Well, they played be twenty-seven true, games. But, but on that basis. We would say, my phone going off, that, yeah, so that could be seven games. So look at Davis fixtures. They will be, in, I would say, unless they bring in a few more players, then we bottom seven, <laughs> the first seven games. So that could be it. So game seven, that, that, that they will stop the league. So if, if you complete seven games, the league will be completed. I don't know how true that is, but it was in the non-league paper. Well, well, if it's in the non-league paper, mate, it, it must be true. Um, couple of little bits of housekeeping. We uh, I, I set up a fantasy Premier League uh, for the Kent Non-League podcast, uh, a little mini league. So if you're into the uh, the fantasy Premier League game, not obviously the Scaffold Premier League or the Isthmian Premier League, uh, but the actual Premier League. Uh, if you look on our Premier League, and then. Yeah, if you look on our on our Twitter, we did tweet out the link to join our league. Uh, I don't know how many takers there's been so far. Not many was the last time I looked, but we'd love to see you all uh, getting involved in that. And Matt and I have also, uh, we, we were tipped off yesterday about this thing. A, a friend of mine sent it to me, uh, Premier League Football Blackjack. Now, that sounds brilliant, Matt, doesn't it? This thing we've just signed up for. Yeah, basically what it is, you've got to pick four Premier League players and the, the combined total of their goals have got to come to 21. Well, it's got to not to go over 21. So if they scored four each, five each, yep. it's 20. And you, but again, if you hit dead on 21 at the end of the season, you could win a pot because it's £10 in there. And they said that somebody won 250 quid last year. So I, I think last year better was better than the lottery. Six of them, six winners split the pot, £1,680, £280 uh, each. Um, so obviously it's a, it's a real... It's a real uh, balancing act because you can't get over if you go over 21 you are absolutely done so uh when someone gets the they, funny enough i was looking on the twitter account uh, which is at fb blackjack uh and he and he was doing a live commentary on on the final day and and there was one bit where he said well um, over go whatever slim hopes luke clark kind of a comeback and now worthless is thanks to uh 
De Bruyne, if Lucas Dean were to score, the goal that would give him all four, because all four of the players have to score, would now put him on 22 goals. So the absolute jeopardy of this. And I, and I think uh, the, the secret or where I went was a player who will definitely score, but won't score that many. And I think you've done the same, haven't you? Yeah, I've gone for, yeah. You're presumably you've got to look at the average. They've got to score five. And so you yeah. don't want to go for, a, you, well, you could go for Christian Benteke. He'll probably get one. But, um, <laughs> but Willie, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, one of them you've got to score. So, yeah, so I've gone for sort of attacking midfielders who might score and a, and a, and a wing back. So, but yeah, join that up. If you've got £10 to spare, probably in this day and age, not many people have, but um, put it in there and it'd be quite a thing. So yeah. quite a few people in. So we'll be That's following FB, that through the season. Yeah, FB Blackjack on Twitter is where you find that. Uh, I went, I, I tried to go penalty takers because I thought they're definitely going to score, but they're not going to score loads. I was going to have Mark Noble, but then there was the possibility that after his rant on Twitter the other week, he was going to he's going to get bombed out by West Ham. So I went for the slightly safer option of Milivojevic uh, at Crystal Palace. And then I've added uh, a couple of English talents in there as well, who I think hopefully will get me uh, as close to 21 without going over as possible. So uh, time will tell. It's nothing to be sniffed out, is it? Well, exactly. That'd be a, a right result. So, uh, yeah, if you feel free to get involved in that, but do also get involved in our fancy Premier League. Uh, Matt did mention earlier that it's uh, it's the big day on uh, on Friday. Uh, I will be entering my 40th year uh, on Friday. So uh, I'll be spending my day uh, overseeing 11 breakfasts in the morning. Uh, and then doing four rooms. So uh, doing two that we have to do for, for Friday and two that we have to do on Saturday, just so that I'm allowed to go to the football on Saturday afternoon. And that's dedication, isn't it? Well done. Yeah. So what are you expecting? Any Nothing. Toys? Nothing. No, I, I don't know what I've got. Hayley was telling me she, she, she's she got me some stuff. It's all rubbish. So uh, that's what she says. But it, it'll be the usual. I'll, norm, normally, to be honest, the last couple of years, it's been a, an excuse to refresh my wardrobe because I don't buy clothes myself now. Uh, just, just let her dress me like a, a dolly uh, on, on my birthday and Christmas every year. I'm hoping uh, that some of these deliveries she's had in the last few days have come from breweries. So I've got some nice beers to have. Uh, on my birthday but apart from that yeah there's nothing exciting is it i mean i'm 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 39 so, I, I always remember your day because of course september 11th is up there not up there with christmas wrong word <laughs> it's the exact opposite of up there with christmas <laughs> it, it's, it's it's a well-known date for all the sad reasons you know it is that's, yeah that's, sort of, so it was 20, that's what 19 years ago so blimey. 19 years ago yeah it was on my 20th birthday mm. and uh you might want to uh, edit that a bit out up there with christmas no, I'm going to leave that in to make people realise what a horrible man you are. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you are actually the nicest man uh, in football, I would say. Exactly, yeah. yeah uh, well, thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's show. Don't forget, as always, you can get in touch with us at Kent NL Podcast on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, search for Kent Non-League Podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JohnPhipps81, uh, and Matthew is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Uh, do feel free to say hello, and if you want to send us any birthday messages on Friday, I'd be I'd be delighted to... to to receive all of your birthday wishes uh, and obviously we're both going to games on Saturday uh, so looking forward to, to getting back into it be my first game or oh, since I think it was I can't remember if what was first it was either Corinthians against uh, Corinthians FA Vars fifth round tie against Sporting Calsa or Folkestone against Worthing against Folkestone one of those two was the last game I was at but anyway the next game I'm going to be at is New Haven against Corinthian on Saturday so uh, you'll be able to hear from a uh, reaction from that and deal against Sittingbourne in next week's Kent Only podcast but in the meantime thank you everybody for listening thanks to all of our guests this week Steve Miller 
uh, Richard Stiles and Matt Longhurst for their time. Thanks to Jay Saunders as well for his time, even though uh, the words that you told Matt never, ever saw the light of day. Uh, but I I'm, I'm hope you enjoyed talking uh, to my favourite idiots. But uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll speak to you all next week. I'll, I'll be the man at the Deal City Born game with the foil FA Cup, if you want to say hello. <laughs> and hopefully the one who's going to record some bloody interviews. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I'll get to that by then. Yes, hopefully I should sort that out.